All right, how is everybody? Good? Yes, maybe, I don't know. Who doesn't care? No, I'm kidding. All right, so uh, we're on night three of camp, I think, and if I'm counting right, I think I got that straight. And so uh, tonight we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, I know you guys are full of sports fans in this room, and uh, so I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for the team that uh, beat my team today uh, because uh, my back hurts really bad, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, and so I'm going to do my best tonight uh, to preach and have fun uh, with you guys, and I hope you guys are excited to be in the Word with us tonight. Now, several years ago, uh, man, I think all my stories come from my time in Memphis, okay? I don't know. I think I've said that a lot since I've been here. Um, when I was working in Memphis, a cool thing happened when we were there, but the uh, Memphis Grizzlies decided to move to Memphis, Tennessee. And when that happened, um, there was a, a lot of excitement about a professional basketball team coming to Memphis, but really it was more of a college sports town. And uh, the Grizzlies, when they moved there, uh, were not very good. Okay, let's just be honest. They weren't very good at all. And in the first year of their existence in Memphis, Tennessee, we got word uh, on this one day um, that the... Uh, the Washington Wizards would be coming to town. And while that doesn't seem like a hot ticket, the Memphis Grizzlies back in the day that weren't good, I know they're better now, all right? And the Washington Wizards, who are better now but were really not good either in the day, uh, were coming to town. You go, why would that be a hot ticket? The reason it was a hot ticket in Memphis, because there was this guy that had just come out of retirement a couple of times and so forth. His name was Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, was playing for the Washington Wizards on the end of his career and he was coming to Memphis Tennessee that's why it was a big ticket and so on this day Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player maybe to have ever played the game comes to Memphis and so what I did being a good boss for my staff is um, we had a guy in the church give us tickets to go watch Michael Jordan play now I was super excited, okay? So what I did for my whole staff is we took the entire day off of work. And we were going to celebrate this. It was going to be a great thing. We went to downtown Memphis, down by Bill Street. They've got this big place that you can go play uh, games like life-size interactive games, video games, sports TVs everywhere. And we ate food. And we just kind of had a great day. And then about, listen, about three hours before the game, me and my staff, there's about eight of us, we walked over to the pyramid, that's before the FedEx Forum was built, we walked over to the pyramid where the Grizzlies were playing, and typically for a Grizzlies game, you could walk in five minutes before you know, they started the game and get a seat, no problem, right? Um, and get to your seat, get your barbecue nachos, whatever you wanted to at the time. Well, on this day, we're walking up to the pyramid, this is three hours before game time, and there is a line of people. Four blocks away from the pyramid, standing in line just to get in the door. There were news trucks everywhere with the big satellite dishes on top of them. There were reporters going in and out of the crowd. This was quite the scene. And it wasn't normal. But it was all because Michael Jordan was there. So for an hour and a half, I stood in this line to, to get four blocks up the road to finally enter the pyramid. We get in there, it's an hour, and by this time we've gotten concessions, it's an hour before tip. We get to our seats and we sit down. And I'm sitting there eating food, and then all of a sudden, the entire place got silent. And then all of a sudden, everyone began to stand up in the arena, 
And out of the tunnel walked Michael Jordan. And he walked out on the court. And for the next 45 minutes, everyone stood in silence while he warmed up. There was such expectation. There was such excitement. There was such reverence for a man. And as big of a sports fan as I am, the only thing that concerns me about all of that, because I was part of it on that night, the only thing that concerns me about all of it is we have more expectation over a football game in today's world. We have more excitement over some kind of contest like the the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. We have more excitement about what's going to happen in these things that our world has concocted and over men who are great athletes than we do over entering into the presence of the one true God that has the power to change lives forever. And I ask myself the question, why is that? The reason that it's the way it is is because a lot of the world has not tasted or seen how great our God is. Question for you tonight. What's your expectation level right now of God? Are you expecting Him to speak to your heart and work in your life? Or is this just some other event that you're going to check out of in the next hour? Every time you go to church, every time you open your Bible, every time you get on your knees to pray to God, there should be an excitement and expectation of what He is going to do, what He is going to say, what is He going to do through Your life. And my prayer tonight is this. Is that you would be expectant of him to work in you tonight. Let's pray together. God, I pray tonight. That we would be expectant. That we would be excited. That that, that we are fixing to walk in your words of your scripture. And dear God, I pray that you would speak to all of us, myself included, dear God. I pray that you would speak with power. I pray that we will walk out of here tonight just baffled by your words. Baffled by your life, your love, your grace, and your mercy. And Lord, I pray we walk out of here tonight different because we have been in your presence. This is not just another time to get together. This is time to come before you, oh God, and we ask you to move and to speak to our lives. Beg you. And it's in your name that we pray tonight. And everybody said, amen. Tonight, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what it means to stand up for something. 
what it means to literally stand up for something. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you some things to kind of hand on, to hang on to and to write down. But what does it mean to stand up for something? Here's the definition of what it means to stand. When you stand up for something, it's when what you believe is backed up by your actions. It'll be on the screen. It's when what you believe is backed up by your actions. In other words, you just can't say it and walk away. You've got to say it and then act on it. When what you believe is backed up by your actions. In other words, another dictionary would say it this way. To stand up for something is to maintain your position. You're not backing down. Make sense? No matter what anyone says, you're not backing down from what you believe because you're going to back it up with your actions. That's what it means to stand up for something. Now, I want you guys to think about. I'm practical, so here we go. What are some things that you stand up for? I'm just going to give you some things to think about. And I need you to fill in the blanks for you. But let me give you some things that all of you in this room will stand up for. Every single one of you in this room will stand up for people in your family. You will. You believe in your family. Someone talks bad about your family. You're going to stand up for your family. If necessary, you will back that up with your actions. Someone messes with my kids. They got to mess with me. Someone says something to my wife. They got to say it to me. Why? Because I believe in them. Therefore, I'm going to back up what I believe to be true about them with my actions, with my support. Another thing that we'll all stand up for is our friends, most of them, if they're truly our friends. We'll always stand up for our friends. You're never going to allow someone, if they're your good friend, to throw your best friend under the bus. You're never going to stand there and let that happen. You're going to back up what you believe with your actions. You're going to maintain your position because you know that friend and you know they're important to you. The other thing we'll stand up for, jot this down. You'll always stand up for your interests, your passions. Whatever you're passionate about in your life, whatever your interests are in your life that you truly believe in, you will not back down from that. You'll maintain your position no matter what. Let me give you an example. Three years ago, I was on a school bus. Yo, yo, what's up? All right, so I'm on a school bus, and I'm sitting next to the senior in high school. His name's Brandon Self. Now, let me tell you about Brandon. Brandon was a senior in high school this year, that year, and he was a big Ole Miss football fan, okay? The worst kind of football fan ever, right there, all right? Now, I know in the room, majority of you guys are Auburn or Alabama. I got them both out. Don't, don't throw darts. I know you're either Auburn or Alabama fans or something close to it, and so no big deal, but he was a diehard Ole Miss, listen, Ole Miss football fan. And I am from Louisiana, so therefore I am a LSU Tiger fan. And so he wanted to have a debate with me, coach. He wanted to have a debate with me about which school had the better football program since the year 2000. To me, this was not a conversation to have. It was stupidity that I was even having to sit there and listen to this guy. 
But he would not back down. He believed, and all the girls were like, what, 2000? All right, but anyway, but, but he believed with all of his nonsense and with all of his heart that Ole Miss had the better football program than LSU. It went on. He talked and debated me for 45 minutes on a school bus. I finally looked at him and I said, hey, bro, when y'all win a national championship, just give me a call. And I walked off to the back of the bus. I was done with him. It was unbelievably asinine. I almost said a bad word. Sorry. All right. But it was unbelievable to me that he would even make the argument. But here's what I appreciated about it. He was willing to maintain his position because that's what he believed. He believed the wrong thing, but that's what he believed. Therefore, he was willing to stand up for it. Think about people in our culture that are willing to stand up for things. I'll give you an example. I was thinking the other day about this, but Tim Tebow is one of the most polarizing figures in our culture today because he stands up for his faith. He has been, look at me, criticized. He has been ridiculed, not just by a group of people at a school, but by sports writers, by NFL experts, by the world. He has been criticized for not only his football ability, but because he stands up for his faith. And isn't it funny that Tim Tebow hasn't taken a snap in what, three years, two years? And yet, he is still on national TV every week during football season. Why? Because people are attracted and are mesmerized by people who will take a stand for what they truly believe. Look at me, students. He's not perfect, but I'm here to tell you, we need more Tim Tebow's in the world today. You need someone like that at your high school. You need someone like that in your peer groups. Why isn't it you? We have entered into a subculture of Christianity that is alarming to me. We all operate as secret Christians. And we get together on Sundays because it's safe, because we're all together. But the moment we go out into the world, we shut it up. We get in the locker room. And it's not popular to talk about God. We don't talk about God. We're out on Friday and Saturday night. It's easy for us not to say a word about God. Students, look at me. Jesus is not something you do when it's convenient. It is a relationship. It is a lifestyle. And many of us are missing out on the Christian life because we're not willing to stand up for the God who stood up for us. Now that's about as subtle as tear gas, but it's the truth. What does it mean to stand up for something? Well, let's look at what the Bible says, all right? Let's try that. Go to 1 Corinthians. Go to chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 1. And Paul's writing, and God's listen to me. This Bible right here, these words we're fixing to read, 
Unbelievable words. Don't miss this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll start in verse 1. It says this. Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, stop right there. Everybody look at me. You want to know why the gospel is called good news? Because without God, you are separated from God forever and you are destined for hell. And the reason the gospel is good news is because of what Jesus did on the cross. It is the greatest news in the world compared to the bad news of the world. It says, I want to remind you of the good news of this gospel that I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your what? Stand. That you're going to back up what you believe with your life. He goes on, verse 2, it's by this good news, it's by this gospel of what Jesus has done for you, that you are saved. It's not by going to church, it's not by being pretty, it's not by being athletic. It's by this gospel and what Jesus did for us that we are saved. If you hold firmly to the word that I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. In other words, you haven't believed at all. Verse 3, for what I received, Paul talking about his conversion, remember? He says, for what I have received, I have passed on to you as first importance. Not second importance, not third importance, not when you get around to it. He says, I pass this on to you as the most important thing ever. And what did he pass on? Look at what the Bible says. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the what? The scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter. And then to the twelve. And then after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. And he continues to go. Now look at me students. Here's the thing. Paul now is taking his stand for Christ. He is backing up what he believes with his actions. There has been this marked change in him to the whole world of everyone who ever knew him. They know he's different. And he's saying to you and to me and the people of the time that he was writing is that you have got to start taking your stand. If you truly know God, you've got to back up what you say about God with how you live. And so I want to give you some things tonight on what it means to take a stand. Number one, write this down. And I'm going to repeat something I said earlier. Number one, write this down. It'll fly up on the screen. You will only stand for what you believe. If you don't truly believe it, look at me. You'll never stand up for it. There's an old country song. Any country music fans in here? Yeehaw. All right, hey. There's this old country song that says you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You've got to be your own man, not a puppet on a string. You will only stand for what you truly believe in. That's why he says right here in the scriptures, I want to remind you of the gospel I've preached to you and on which you have received and that you should be taking your stand on. 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, verse 1. Number 2, not only will you only stand for what you truly believe, 
When you stand, you're making a statement. When you stand for God, you're making a statement about what you will be known for and about what you will not be known for. When you take a stand, when you back up what you believe about God with your life, you are making a statement about what you will be known for and about what you will not. When I was 14, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It changed my life forever. Look at me. I started my freshman year in high school a month later. And I was different. And I go to the same lunch table with my same friends from middle school, even though we're at a different place. I'm at Captain Shreve High School, a 5A high school in Shreveport, Louisiana. I remember like it was yesterday. And I go to the lunch table after the summer's over. I'd had this huge change in my life in the summer. And I go to the lunch table, and there are all my buddies that I had done things with that I'm not proud of. And I remember sitting down, and we had red spaghetti on that day and chocolate milk. Gross. And I sat there. Just think about someone throwing that up, and you'll get the picture. All right, so... I sat there, and then all of a sudden, the leader of our little posse, his name was Heath. He had a cool name. I had a weird name. Chris Heath. It's a cooler name. And Heath looked down the table at me, and he said, hey, Lovell. That's what they called me. Where you been this summer, man? We hadn't seen you at all. And that was true. And in that moment, I had a decision to make. What was I going to say? I could have said, well, man, I've been really busy with basketball. I've been training real hard. I've been doing, you know, and they would have believed me and they would have left me alone because they knew how much I loved basketball. But as I was sitting there as a freshman in high school, it was like God spoke to me at the lunch table and said, tell them. And I began to get nervous and I began to sweat. I just remember sweating. It was gross. I remember sweating under my arms because I got nervous. The only other time I remember that happening is when I asked this girl to go out with me and she was a junior and I was a freshman. I had this, I just remember it. All right, so anyway, I told you I was ADD, right? Okay, all right, back to the story. So I'm sitting at the lunch table and it was like the moment of truth. And I looked down the lunch table in front of all my friends in Heath and I said, hey man, this summer, I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm a Christian now, and I'm just different. And I haven't been hanging out with y'all because I've been trying to figure out how to live. Honest, truthful, and it was as quiet at the lunch table as it is in here right now. Let me tell you what happened after that. Yeah, sure, I didn't get invited to some parties, let's be honest. But I probably didn't need to go to those parties anyway. Yeah, I'll be honest, it was kind of weird for a couple of months because they didn't know what to say to me. But honestly, looking back on it, it was cool. Fifteen years later, Heath calls me on the phone. He goes, hey man, I want to ask you if you perform... uh, my wedding from my future wife and I. All right. He said, man, I never told you this. 
He said, but you remember that day at the lunch table? I'm thinking, how could I forget? He's like, man, you'll never know how much all of us respected you for that. And I'm thinking, dude, why couldn't you have told me that when I was 14? (laughs) You know what I learned that day? I learned the power of this passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of my Christianity. I am not ashamed that I'm a follower of Jesus. I am not ashamed. Guys, look at me. That day, my friends knew what I was going to stand for and what I was not going to stand for. Third thing, write it down. Third thing. When you, when you finally take a stand and back up what you believe with your actions, you will always find courage and strength to stand again. That's key. When you finally take a stand for what you truly believe, the next time is always easier. You find courage and strength to stand again. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous for wherever you go, the Lord your God shall go with you. And guys, I'm telling you, after that day at the lunch table, it was a lot easier to take a stand the next time because I had already gotten it out there. But if I never stood up for my faith the first time, it would have been harder the next time and harder the next time because nobody knows what I stand for, what I believe in. But because I put it out there, because I gave an answer for the hope that I have, First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it was easier for me to find the courage and strength to stand again and again and again through high school and through college and young adulthood into my married life. To this day, I'm having to find courage and strength to continue to back up what I believe about God to be true with my life. And if it hadn't started in the ninth grade, I don't know what I would be doing today. But every time you stand for God, you find courage and strength to do it again. Number four, write it down. Number four, I believe that God notices people who take a stand. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 says, stand firm then, let nothing move you. Because your living for God is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord, some translation says, is not in vain. Here's the translation for you to hang on to. Stand firm then, let nothing move you. Because your living for God, listen to this, does not go unnoticed. God notices people who take a stand for him. He notices them. He takes note When you back up what you believe about him with your life. And then lastly, I told you we're going to go fast. Number five, I believe God searches for people who will take a stand for him. God searches for people who will take a stand for him. 
The prophets in the Bible were sent to give messages to their cities, to the world at the time. That the people of the time didn't understand. And God would get fed up with different groups of people because of their sin. And in Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. I just want to show you something that I feel like is modern day. But in Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. There's this verse. And he says. And I looked for a man or a woman among them. Who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Here's my fear. Is that we're heading into a future. Where many of you. Won't be willing. To take that stand. Twenty years as a youth pastor and at my last youth camp, like this youth camp right here. It was um, the last night of camp and at, at our at our camp we would go to the beach like you guys and we'd stay at a public resort like you guys. And on the last night we would all go out to the to the beach and we would baptize those that had made decisions during the week. And I'll talk about baptism more tomorrow. And But it was awesome because we would get out there and we were really corny. We'd all wear the same color shirts and, you know, all that stuff, you know, T-shirt, camp T-shirt. And we'd go out to the, to the beach and we'd stand out there and they would give me a megaphone. Okay, that's a dangerous thing to do, by the way. But they give it to me. You know, I was always the guy who liked to hit the siren button to watch everybody jump. All right, but anyway. All right, so, ADD, I'm back. All right, so, I would get out in the water about waist high, and I would turn around and I would face these two high-rise condos where we were staying. And, uh, and I would face these condos in Panama City Beach, Florida, and I would preach to the condos. That's awesome. I mean, that's like preaching to dry bones. Read your Bible. All right, so anyway. So I would stand in the water, and there were these two condos. And what was cool is that we weren't the only group there. I mean, even though there were like 600 of us, we weren't the only group there, right? And, and, and so what would happen when we get out there, you imagine 600 people on the beach with the same color t-shirt on, and then I'm out in the water with a megaphone, and when I would talk through the megaphone, it would bounce off the, the high-rise condo so they could hear me. That's pretty cool. So I could say whatever I wanted to, all right? And so what would happen is all the people who were there vacationing, they would come out on their balconies to see what was going on. People who weren't a part of our group and everything. And I mean, I mean, I've, I've gotten mooned and all kinds of stuff from the balcony. And so, you know, I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, I'm the only one that can see it. So I start laughing. Nobody knows what's going on. But anyway, so because all the kids are looking at me and I'm looking at the kind of. And so all these people, thousands of people would be out on these balconies. Watch what we're doing. And I'd take that megaphone and I'd say this. These students tonight are coming out into this water, and they are taking their public stand for Jesus Christ. They are proclaiming to you and to the world 
that Jesus is the Lord of their life and has saved them, has rescued them from their sin and from hell, and they now have a relationship with God that will end in heaven one day. Won't you celebrate with me these who are coming to make decisions? Everybody clap, you know, whatever. And then they'd start coming out. I know, it's kind of a weird face. And so they'd come out into the water, and man, you know, we'd be out there. I'd have my ministers out there so we'd get through it fast. And I think on this night, we baptized like 60, 70 people. And so, you know, we do the whole thing. We baptize our kids are going crazy. I mean, it's a scene. And people walking up down the beach would come and join us that weren't a part of our group. I mean, it was an awesome witness for Christ. And on this night, it's my last night as a youth pastor. When I get home the next day on the buses, I am done. And I remember walking right as I got up uh, out of the water. I'm soaked from baptizing all these kids. And I begin to walk. And all of a sudden, one of my interns runs up to me. Now, I love interns. Don't take this wrong, intern people in the room that work at Shades. But I had an intern run up to me. And he's like, hey, Chris, this girl walked up. And he was real dramatic, you know. This girl walked up. And I don't do drama at all. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like... And she wants to be baptized. I said, awesome. You know, I mean, I was, I was excited for her. And he's like, but I didn't know who she was. She wasn't a part of our group. You know, I had to, I said, dude, here's the deal. Mr. Intern, go find out her name, where she's from. I did not know. You need to hear her story about how she came to faith in Christ. We need to make sure she's a Christian, right? You don't just baptize people to baptize people. And I said, and then, man, if it's all legit, and I'm thinking about getting, you know, buses on the road, and in my mind, as a youth pastor, you just think about weird stuff. And I go, if, if it's all legit, you baptize her. And I wasn't being mean, but we were moving into the last worship service, had to get packed up, get on the buses next morning, right? And so he's like, okay, okay. So he goes running off. And I get, you know, when you leave the beach and there are those steps by where you wash your feet off and you go up to, yeah. Um, I get to those steps and I put my foot on the first step. And I heard God speak to me as loud and clear as ever before. And he said, you baptize her, dummy. Okay. So I turned around and I head back out to the beach. True story. I head back out to the beach and I meet Skylar. Scholar's 14 years old, same age as when I accepted Christ. And her and her mom were there on vacation. They saw our group, and they saw what was going on. And Scholar told me her story, a fascinating story, about how she came to Christ, but that she hadn't been baptized yet, and that she wanted to be baptized. She felt like God told her to be baptized after seeing our students take their stand in the water. And I said, okay. So at this point, the crowd's gone. I'm going to show you a picture real quick if y'all just look. At this point, the crowd's gone. There's no one on the shore. This is the one good thing my intern did. He got this picture. Everyone's gone. Nobody's on the balconies. Our kids are all inside, and it's me and Skylar. And I'm standing there, and I'm getting ready to baptize her right there. And I say to her, I said, Scholar, I am so sorry that no one's out here to celebrate this with you. I mean, I, I felt bad, you know, because everybody left, and I was just being honest. I try to be honest. 
And she looked at me, and you know what she said? She said, it's okay. She says, the one I'm standing for sees me. And so I said, Skylar, have you asked Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? Yes. Skylar, do you desire to live for him all your days until heaven? Yes. I said, because of your profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ and you're raised to walk in newness of life. And in that moment, something really cool happened. Because, see, it was me and her, my intern, and her mom. And her mom's on the shore. And I want to show you what happened as she head back to shore. She gets over to her mom. And those aren't tears of, of sadness there. This is what I call the joy of obedience. A mother and a daughter, and a daughter doing something so right, taking her stand, a mama being proud, and her God being proud. That is what I call the joy of being obedient to take your stand. You know, I'm incredibly thankful for this intern for the rest of my life because I show this everywhere I go. But what about you? You know, getting baptized is not the only way you take your stand for Christ. Some of you tonight need to take your stand for Christ by acknowledging you need a relationship with Him. Some of you, need to take your stand for Christ by acknowledging you need to be baptized. But yet there's another group of you in this room that we really haven't spoken to a lot this week yet. But there's several of you in here that need to renew your commitment to Christ. You know God, but you need to make that commitment new. Like it was brand new, like the first day you met God. Just renew that commitment. And the question I have for y'all is are you willing to back up what you believe with your actions? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Now, I want you where you sit, just so you all know, I, I, I just want to be clear. We're going to do the invitation a little different tonight. And so I'm not going to have anyone come forward to the front. But rather, after you stand and make that commitment like we've done every night, I'm just going to ask you to move to your left, um, out the side doors to meet Steve and his staff. where you sit, what kind of stand do you need to take? 
Some of y'all, nobody would ever know you're a Christian unless they saw you at church. And for some of you, all week, you know you don't have a relationship with Christ, but you've been putting off settling that deal. You've been putting off the fact that, man, you don't have a relationship with God. And how do you know you don't have a relationship with God? Well, do you talk to God? Do you spend time in His Bible? Is it possible to have a relationship with God and not talk to Him for years? Is that a relationship? And I just want to say to you all, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you have not nailed down that relationship with Jesus Christ, I would tell you, some of you tonight need to take your stand. And say, man, God, you died for me. You rose again for me so that I don't have to live in my sin and I don't have to be separated from you forever. And tonight I want to nail that down and I want to take my stand. I, I, want, I want to back up what I believe with my action tonight. And I want to stand up and I want to tonight Enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And some of y'all tonight need to do that and nail that down. I will not beg you to do it. But I will plead with you to do it. Because I believe it's the most important decision you'll ever make. Some of you in here need to renew your commitment to Christ you feel far from God, but you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know Him. But yet you just feel spiritually dry. And you want to take your stand tonight and say, man, I want to make my commitment to Christ like it's brand new. I want to renew that commitment. Not rededicate, but renew my commitment to Christ. And some of y'all be like Scholar. And you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've never taken your stand for Christ by being baptized. You've never understood the joy of obedience, of being obedient to what God is calling you to do. And tonight, some of you need to stand and say, I need to get baptized. I would even say that there's some of you in here tonight that God is calling out to lead a Bible study for your sports team or your peer group or to take on leadership in the church or you feel some kind of vocational call in your life, meaning that maybe you want to be a missionary one day or maybe you feel like God's calling you to be a youth pastor, whatever it may be. You don't have to have that all figured out. But some of y'all take your stand tonight and say, man, I acknowledge that's going on in my life and I want to seek that out. Whatever it is, this invitation tonight is for you. It's not for me. It's for you. So God, I pray tonight that you would move. Dear Lord, whatever you are calling us to tonight, allow us to be obedient to do it. That if we truly believe in you, that we would take our stand and back up what we believe 
with our actions. So with no one looking but me, if you're in here tonight and you say, Chris, I need to take my stand tonight and I need a relationship with God. That's what I need tonight. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you when I count to three to raise your hand. If you say, Chris, I need a relationship with God, this is for you. So when I count to three, if you want a relationship with God, now's your chance. Ready? One, two, three. Put your hand up. Anybody? Say, that's me. I see you, man. Anybody else say, I need a relationship with God, and I want to take my stand tonight and do that? 30 seconds. Anybody else? Good. 15 seconds. Not going to beg you. Don't believe in that at all. 10 seconds. Five. Four. Three, two, one. If you got your hand up, I just want you to take that stand. Stand up. And just walk around to the back and go see Steve by the exit sign. Anybody else want to join? Amen. Amen. At any moment, you can get up and just walk over to the doors and make that decision. For others of you in here tonight, you say, Chris, I need to take my stand tonight. and I need to renew my commitment to Christ. I am not where I need to be, but I want to be. I want to be walking with Jesus, and I'm willing to back up the fact that I know I need to be walking with Jesus in a new way tonight. I want to make that commitment to Christ brand new, like it was the first time I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. You know God but you want to renew your commitment. And if that's you tonight, when I count to three, I want you to stand. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet if you want to renew your commitment to Christ. appreciate that. Thank you. Anybody else say, that's me? 30 seconds. We're not going to do this long. Amen. Anybody else? 15 seconds. Ten, five, four, amen, three, two, one. Just move over to the doors. Amen. I praise God for every single And yet, there's still some of you tonight. You say, man, Chris, I need to take my stand. I've never been baptized. And man, I need to be like scholar. And I need to take my stand for Christ by being baptized. Some of you may say, Chris, I feel like God's calling me. Lead a Bible study on my campus. Maybe calling me out to do ministry for the rest of my life. I don't know what it is, but I want to seek it out. And if that's you... If you want baptism or God's calling you to something else, this is your time for invitation. And so if that's you, when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to stand for baptism or anything else that's going on in your life. Ready? One, two, three. Go ahead. Stand if that's you. Amen. Anybody else? Oh, that's great. 20 seconds. 
prodigy. 15 seconds. 10. 5. Good. 4. 3. 2. Amen. One. Why don't y'all just head right Praise God. You know, it's obvious God's at work. I felt it all week. <laughs> I really have. And here's what I want to do. The guys are just going to sing over you for a minute. Just, just sing over you. It may just be Logan by himself, but if you want to come up to the front and pray, if there's something going on in your life that you want to pray about, just come up here and kneel. Pray. You can't even do that in your seat. You can turn around and face your seat and kneel there if you'd like. But I want to give you freedom to do business with God. That's why we're here. And so I'm going to pray for us. When I get done, they're just going to sing over you. And I just want you to feel freedom to move while they sing. Pray with someone if you need to. Come kneel here at the front. Make this an altar. Whatever you need to do, just do it. And if you need to make a decision, just head out the doors. Just feel that freedom during this time. God, thanks for just being so cool. And Lord, I pray right now that as we just kind of sit in your presence, whatever these students have going on in their life, I don't know, but you do. That if they need to come kneel or pray with a friend or sit there in the seat and talk to you, dear God, I just pray that they would use this time while the band just sings over them just to do business. And when they're ready to worship, they can just engage and start worshiping. Thank you for being so good. Thanks for reminding us of the gospel tonight on which we should take our stand.